What's up, guys? Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you will you check them out. What you'll find is that the CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's even helped decrease anxiety, whatever it is, you name it. CBD is an all-natural and non-psychoactive ingredient, and the coffee is rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the curves from mile high The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger they become a friend Having a good time When the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in Every day With the good folks Down at BSN Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast Presented by Elixinol um, What a time it is To be a Denver sports fan, Zach I calculated this yesterday. Today marks 14 consecutive days with a playoff game in Denver. And we already know that the that the Nuggets will play in game six tomorrow. So that means we are guaranteed 15 straight days with a playoff game in Denver. You have got to be kidding me. Over two weeks of not just sports, because, you know, you can throw in the Rockies there and probably make the streak a month up to that, but... Playoff, intense sports going on. And Ryan, the Nuggets and Avs are on the brink of both being in the Western Conference Finals. Both teams are one win away. Yep. Uh, I am so entirely nervous for the Avs game tonight. <laughs> but I also I, I shouldn't say I'm nervous. I'm um, anxious. But... I've had this like calm confidence about the Avs the last couple times they stepped on the ice, and that's kind of how I feel about tonight. Just get the first goal. That's all you got to do, in my opinion. Just calm everyone's nerves. Start playing a little more freely. I think Kale McCarr does something special tonight. Mm, the rooks that can you even call him a rook. Heck, I don't know. <laughs> uh, someone tweeted the other day that they were sitting next to next to some national media writer uh, media members, and one of them said holy, you know what, this kid's going to be an effing star. <laughs> and no no better time than uh, Game 7 to put you in the Western Conference Finals. And, I mean, if they get the first goal, the Sharks would just be doomed. Now, if it's flipped, I mean, that what the Shark Tank could go crazy. It's going to be, it's going to be so electric and fun. It's fun. It's been great. I am so tired. Just my body is so tired from just spending all day stressing about a sporting event every single day. Uh, But we do have a little bit of Broncos to talk about here. That's our job. That's what we do. And I want to start here with a very interesting comment from one Garrett Bowles. And it's interesting on many, many levels. So we have plenty to talk about. Well, in the first the first part of that comment was Garrett Bowles admitted uh, or said that Ron Leary will play right guard and Dalton Reisner will play left guard at least to open up OTAs. Are we sure? <laughs> That's a fair question. 
That's a fair question. And I guess we've never been told. We've just been told that Reisner is going to play guard. And everyone it was everyone assumed, understandably so, that it was in place of Elijah Wilkinson at right guard. But now, according to Garrett at least, they're going to flip it. What What do you think about that, Ryan? I just... I, I don't know if I can trust Garrett. It's not like a knock on him, but he sometimes just it's a knock on says him. things that I don't know if they're necessarily true. And that's that's completely fair. Let's let's take it as fact for right now. We'll find out just on Monday. That's probably the uh, outside of looking at Drew Locke. That's probably the next thing we'll look at. Just see that order. Well, won't we find? I assume we'll find out on Friday tomorrow when we see them line up out there. No veterans are going to be there, though. I know, but wouldn't you line up if you're gonna if they're gonna run a play? Wouldn't they line up Dalton at the position where he's going to be? Are they gonna have enough linemen there? I mean, I know they bring in all these tryout guys, but do they do they bring in enough tryout guys to have a full team? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> uh, they maybe, can maybe also line them up at both. Yeah, in in the past they've done things like had second year players play uh, practice squad guys. So if they want to, I'm sure they can figure out how to make that happen. So what do you think of it, if that is fact? Here's what I don't want, and here's why I don't like it. Mm. I don't need Dalton Reisner babysitting Garrett Bowles all game. <laughs> He's already got enough on his plate. He's a rookie. The, the, the last thing he needs to be doing is trying to make up for Garrett Bowles' mistakes all day long. And so I don't want him over there. I want him over there with Juwan James, a nice seasoned veteran who knows what he's doing, and he can kind of – I don't know if the words ease in because you never ease in starting on the offensive line as a rookie. But he can kind of just get his feet wet and figure it out over there with Juwan James. Garrett Bowles – bless his heart, is just a mess out there sometimes. And I liked having Ron Leary over there because he can kind of navigate the waters and do his best to try and make up for what Garrett's doing. But I just think it's a it's a messy proposition to stick him next to Garrett Bowles. Well, and then let, let me just play along with you really quick. On the other side of him, if he is at left guard, you have Connor McGovern who... A lot of people this offseason have been saying uh, he's a guard that's playing center, and you could tell that at the end of last year. So it's not just you know potentially a, a weak link or a struggling Garrett Bowles at times on his left. He's also got uh, a guy that's still learning the position in, in Connor McGovern on his right, whereas if he's at right guard, yes, he still does have that with Connor McGovern on the opposite side, but he's got Juwan James, more of a proven commodity uh, to, on his right where he doesn't have to worry about as much. But Ryan, I like it. And why is that? I like it because, well, you drafted a guard in the second round. He better be pretty good. What did we say yesterday? That right guard is probably the least valuable position on the offensive line. So right away, you're saying this guy is a stud. And I love that. I think Dalton, that's probably right. He probably is a, an absolute stud, and that's what I expect him to be. So I like that he's getting that confidence but it's bad news for Ron Leary. It's bad news for Ron Leary in terms of how the Broncos view him. Not necessarily a bad player, but to me, it initially says they can't trust him. And instead of putting Dalton at right guard, Leary at left, and then if and when 
Ron Leary gets hurt, then they flip those two and then put Elijah Wilkinson in. They're just they're just getting ready for what's to come. And whether that's Ron just not being able to play from the get-go, he tore his Achilles. I mean, that's tough to come back from. We saw Emmanuel's doing well, but Ron's a bigger guy. It's probably a little harder on his body to come back. So it's a lot of confidence in Dalton and just no confidence in Ron Leary to me. And also, I just... I don't expect, maybe I'm so off on Dalton. I don't expect him really to to look like a rookie this year. By the end of this season, I expect him to be the best offensive lineman that the Broncos have. So I think he's actually going to help out Garrett Bowles. Uh, And he's probably the best guy to be next to him. But if rookie mistakes come in and then, you know, he's having to pick up 50% of the slack on some plays because Garrett's letting guys inside, then I absolutely see how it could blow up in their face. I think it's possible to agree with me and you on this. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone else was the left tackle, I would be 100% on board with with Dalton playing left. You're right. It's the more valuable position. It's the, and it's Mike Munchak, who must just love the kid. Um putting a lot of confidence in him, which I like. It's just, it's, it's, it's scary to me to, for him to have to figure out everything like that on the fly. Also, can we just consider this dark horse possibility? What if he's playing left because they don't want to move Connor McGovern from where he was last year playing right guard and Sam Jones is the center. Mm. And you're just saying Ron is, is done. Is done. Yeah. And they'll figure out a way to, you know, cut him. You like this Sam Jones guy. I really like Sam Jones. I think he's being overlooked. Um, at the at the worst, he's just a good depth piece. And I think he's the type of guy, I know he's the type of guy, who will soak up every single word that comes out of Mike Munchak's mouth, and that makes me excited about him. But if you go back and watch his tape at Arizona State, yeah, he had his flaws. The kid can play, though. It's not as if he was a, you know, local uh, favor pick. He reminds me of a poor man's Dalton Reisner. And when I say poor man's, that there's a huge scale of where that can be, right? I think he's, like I said, if he would have stayed at ASU for one more season, he, was, he probably would have been a third-round pick this year, potentially. So that's what I mean when I say poor man's Dalton is just really one round back. If you're getting a guard in the third round, Ryan, let's say the Broncos drafted a guard in the third round this year, we would expect him to start, wouldn't we? Yep. And I think one thing that um, would have benefited him from staying, but actually benefited him more from coming out, is the number one thing he needed was his body to to develop into an NFL body. Mm-hmm. He's a just slightly undersized, and he wasn't overly built. One year with Lauren Landau, now he's built up a little bit. I think he has a real chance to make some noise on that offensive line. So, who knows? I... I I don't know where the Broncos are at on Ron Leary. Before we knew that the, he was going to have an injury guarantee, we thought they were going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, you know, I, I would not be surprised if somewhere in John Elway's mind he's saying, we can't count on this guy. And, so let's not. And that and that's fair. And so, Ryan, we think it's bad news for Ron Leary. Well, listen to what Garrett Bowles had to say without specifically saying Ron Leary's name. And I'm just going to read the first part of this quote right now. 
He says, Dalton, he came into the building for his pre-draft or for his pre-draft visit. I know he has a connection with Connor McGovern, but when he got drafted, I was so excited. The Broncos finally got me a left guard. I couldn't be more blessed to have that kid. What? <laughs> yeah, what is right? <laughs> Do you know who the highest paid player on your offensive line has been since you were brought here? Yeah, and he did play on the right side his first year uh, in Denver. But last year, Ron Leary was over there on the left side with Garrett Bowles trying to make up for all of Garrett's mistakes <laughs> and then getting blamed, uh, apparently, by Garrett Bowles. I understand Garrett being excited uh, that they got Dalton, and I'll read the rest of the quote later. But come on, you don't have to trash a teammate in order to bring another guy up. I mean, finally got me a left guard. All I can do is shake my head. <laughs> it's so... It's so short-sighted. It's it's not well thought out. It's just, it's just spewing. And I would hope that Ron Leary didn't see this and take it the way that the whole world is taking it. And if so... I would hope that Garrett Bowles apologized to him. I hope it was just a, a slip of the tongue uh, because Ryan, if if Garrett believes that he has not that he did not have a good left guard last year, and I understand Ron got hurt, but he didn't say you know at least they got me finally got me a left guard since Ron got hurt last year. No, there there was nothing like that. If Garrett believes that all of his struggles have been because he hasn't had a left guard next to him throughout his career, massive massive question mark and, and concern even more than there already is that has like Paxton Lynch written all over it mm. Ever, it's everyone else's fault right um I've been doing great like the oh the Broncos fine you know what Paxton Lynch would have said is the Broncos finally got me a left tackle if they ever did that <laughs> uh it's it's just it's so misguided the Broncos finally got me a left guard. No, Ron Leary should be saying the Broncos finally got me a left tackle, <laughs> but they didn't. So I just, oh, all I can do is scratch my head. And it, it makes me, I've been pretty optimistic and feeling good about this Broncos offensive line. And that comment and having to think about the struggles uh, and thinking about Ron Leary's injury and maybe how the Broncos truly view Ron Leary coming into this season Makes me take a step back and think, what is this offensive line? I mean, Juwan James, you know he's going to be average, kind of at worst. I feel like at worst he's going to be an average right tackle, which is fine. I mean, it, that's a huge upgrade. Uh, and I think he There's has, like 20 teams who wish they could have an average right tackle. Exactly. Which and maybe it, means average is thrown off. because <laughs> Right, exactly. And I think he has a chance to flirt with top 10. Is he going to be the best right tackle in the league? I'd be crazy to say so. But you feel good about right tackle. I guess left guard, wherever Dalton is, I feel good about. Whether he's a right tackle, right guard, center, left left guard, left tackle, I feel good about. And then from there, I don't know. I don't know. I, bu- I built an argument in my mind that I was counting on Ron Leary, and maybe that was, that was foolish of me because uh, he tore his Achilles before Emmanuel did, and we haven't seen any progress of him running or, or doing anything like that. So maybe I shouldn't be as optimistic. Connor McGovern at center, I mean, I already talked about it earlier, but a lot of people 
just don't believe he's a natural center and, and don't know if he's going to be able to make that transition full-time. And then obviously, Garrett Bowles. So really you have two known things right now. And that's <laughs> that's scary behind it with, with, with a immobile Joe Flacco behind him. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and we're, we'd be crazy not to we'd be crazy not to say that it is a big question mark whether or not Ron Leary can be a healthy and solid contributor. Connor McGovern at center is one of those things that you hope works out. We don't have – I mean, he played well. He had a couple games where he played well there, but he definitely f- seemed like he felt a little out of position. Uh, and then you have Garrett Bowles. And in – May, it's really easy to say, well, all three of those guys are, or or Garrett's going to take a step forward, Connor's going to be comfortable at center, and Leary is going to be healthy. It's really easy to say that in May because there's nothing to back up whether or not that's true until, you know, uh, September. But it is, you got to hit on at least two or three of those, or else you're in trouble. Big trouble. Right now, I just said at the end of the season, Dalton Reisner, I believe, is going to be the Broncos' best offensive lineman. I think he's the Broncos' best offensive lineman right now. And maybe I'm drinking too much of the, of the, of the Colorado native Kool-Aid. But when I just broke it down like that, it's either him or Juwan James, uh, assuming that you know Ron Leary uh, is where he is with, at his health right now. And that's a huge question mark. That's why, that is absolutely wild. They had to. They had to get him, and so good, good thing they did. Ryan, I guess I'll, I'll give a little credit to Garrett Bowles. I'll read the rest of this quote on what he did uh, when Dalton Reisner was drafted. He said, I knew I needed to show Dalton my love and support, so I went down to his party at the Ritz-Carlton on the night the Broncos drafted him. I hung out with him most of the night. I told my wife, I'll be home in a little bit. So it was fun just meeting him and understanding his family and where he comes from, from a small town and his work ethic. We talk almost every day, and I know that's the connection we need so that when we get out onto the field, we don't skip a beat. He said the right thing there, and that is showing some leadership. Uh, you know, crashing a draft party, I guess that's pretty fun to do if it's being in your own city and, and getting to know him and taking him under his wing is really good. You just, you got to be a player before you're calling people out like you did with Ron. Hmm. I don't want to talk about the same one. <laughs> what else is going on? You want to talk, talk about some good stuff? Emmanuel Sanders, Ryan, we saw last week that he was running at full speed. Um, yesterday, he said um, that he is he cut for the first time yesterday which is big he is running at full speed uh and that there's no timetable for when he'll be back he wants before he does anything uh on the field he wants to make sure he's 100% ready and he's not going to rush this thing at all okay uh he's coming back i think emmanuel really needs to not ju- not only be healthy, but he has to be the receiver that takes the top off the defense. 
I realize that we've talked about Brennan Langley um, in a in a greater light, you know, than when we when we first heard of this move, but this offense needs a deep threat receiver, and Emmanuel Sanders was like a very solid deep threat receiver last year. So if he can be that, if he's healthy and he can be that, then he's going to have a huge year, and and he's going to be extremely uh, integral to the this offensive success. But maybe I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how the Broncos are looking at this. Maybe they're looking at this as that's what his role is going to be, because Achilles injuries aren't going to necessarily slow you down when you're running straight. They're going to, you know, slow you down when you're having to make cuts and stuff like that. If he can be a deep threat receiver, and we already know that he has the ball skills to make amazing plays on the ball down the field. If he can be that, maybe that's enough for this for this offense. Boy, and then it would just make it so he really wouldn't need to be back until the latest time possible. Because, Ryan, if you want him to be a number one receiver that does everything – Emmanuel's great. Emmanuel's a vet. But you have a brand new quarterback in here. Wouldn't you want them getting two, three, four weeks of work together to build that chemistry? Uh, because of a vet quarterback like Joe, he's, he's going to want that practice and going to need that practice with Emmanuel before week one. But if you're just having him go deep, that that eliminates... That, uh, that initial practice that you need and getting on the same page with everything, it shortens that so much. So maybe that's exactly what the Broncos are hoping for from him this year. And uh, puts a lot of pressure on Deshaun Hamilton. It, it really does because you can't just have a deep threat in Emmanuel and uh, what, a uh, 79er in Cortland Sutton? Now, Cortland, I believe, is going to develop his game, but we, we haven't seen that yet that he can develop that uh, and be an every-down wide receiver this year and be your number one guy. So let's say you have a deep threat in Emmanuel and a 79er in Cortland Sutton. You're, you're going to really need another option because if that's all you have, then defenses can work around Noah Fant. It's true. Uh, I think Cortland Sutton will be much more than a 79er. Um, he is in a unique position because of the film that's out there on on him right now he need it, he needs to take a step forward and again it's always easy to talk about steps forward in may but the the film out there right now suggests that he's just a niner all he can do is run straight and you throw it up for him and, and that's when he made that's when he made almost all of his plays right all of his drops were mostly made in the middle of the field, although there were some in those situations uh, up the sideline. But because of that, the middle of the field should be very open for him. Because guess what? When you have a five foot eleven corner having to cover him, knowing that that the biggest threat to them is downfield, they're going to take a step back, and that's going to allow him to have a lot of success on slants. A lot of success on comebacks, especially, uh, and drag routes, whatever it is underneath, because teams are going to play him, especially corners, are going to play him a little bit off. Um, if he can become a more refined receiver, which, by the way, when the Broncos drafted him, they told us that he wasn't refined. We 
were, uh, I guess, fooled a little bit in training camp because he looked pretty darn refined to me then. Um, and then and then he got on the field and he didn't look refined. If he can refine himself and learn how to run the full tree, he can be this this team's number one wide receiver from week one. I think so too. And, and with Emmanuel, I think everyone just got so excited last week when he posted that video of him running full speed for the first time. And he still has, what, four or five months until week one. So everyone got so excited. He kind of pumped the brakes yesterday. I'm not worried about him. I do think he'll still be ready uh, by the start of the season. But Ryan, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this is a contract year for Emmanuel. And what happens on contract years? You don't want to go out there and put bad bad film on tape because uh, you're playing at 80 or 85%. Emmanuel is going to want to make sure that when he's out there, he's putting the best film out there because he said if he didn't tear his Achilles, he would be wanting a new contract right now, just like Chris Harris Jr. So he's going to be chasing the money next offseason. So that's that's going to be important to remember in this. Is, is, he, a, is he a team guy? Yeah, he, he he's a team guy, but he's thinking business right now so that'll be really important to remember and when we're trying to project him coming back because he without saying it he all but admitted that last night he said I'm coming back when I'm 100 percent Zach I just talked to someone um who I believe has intimate knowledge of what's going on over there at Dove Valley especially on the offensive line Mm. and from what I'm hearing, I think the Ron Leary, essentially what I said at the end there, which was let's not be too sure about Ron Leary being even here, let alone starting on the offensive line. And I kind of got a little bit of, I don't know what the word is, it's not confirmation, but it made me feel a little better about what I was saying there. Mm. Uh, And I... They believe that it's going to be a competition between Sam Jones and Elijah Wilkinson for the right guard spot. Wow. Wow. How does that make you feel about the line? Well, here's the biggest problem. And when a player gets injured, it's not even necessarily about the injury itself. When a player is injury prone, it's not even necessarily the injuries themselves that hurt so much. It's planning an offense around a guy being there and then him not being there. So, on the surface, do I think Ron Leary, if healthy, which is a massive if, is the better option at right guard? Yes. But if you're counting on Ron Leary, and remember, it's it's Mike Munchak and Rich Scangarello's and you know the entire coaching staff's job to build an offense that plays to their team's strengths. If you're planning for Ron Leary and then he gets injured in week two, you don't have to remake the offense, but you do have to change what you're doing. And so with that in mind, it might be better for the Broncos to know what they have there. And, of course, you can never know when an injury is going to strike. But the skill sets of Ron Leary, Sam Jones, and Elijah Wilkinson are all very different. And so if, if it's Elijah Wilkinson, then you're probably running left more because you got Dalton Reiser and Garrett Bowles over there. You feel good about that. If it's, if it's Ron Leary and Juwan James over there, you probably like the, like the idea of running right a little bit more. Uh, and this is very, a very simplified idea of what I'm talking about, but trying to put it into context here, Sam Jones to be seen, 
But you have to change what you're doing based on your personnel. And I think it's better off if the Broncos spend the entire training camp knowing their personnel. So what do you think? Let, let's say there there is no Ron Lurie this year, and you can't count on him. Do you like Dalton being at left guard now? Or still would you still have no. the you'd still rather have the veteran over there? Or would you, yeah, so, I'd rather have Dalton Reisner next to someone who is who knows what they're doing. And then also if you do that, you feel you feel really good about the right side of your line. How do you feel about the left side of your line if it's Garrett Bowles, Sam Jones, Elijah Wilkinson, and Connor McGovern at center? You don't love it. I mean, you're feeling you're doing everything to the right. You're rolling Joe to the right every time he rolls out. You're bootlegging there. You're you're running there. You might might as well just sell the real estate on the left side. Uh, <laughs> it was so much easier to live in a world where Ron Leary was healthy and playing on the line. Yep, yep. And it's not that um, I don't think Elijah Wilkinson or Sam Jones can play. Because I do think they can play. But it just creates another question mark. Another uh, thing that you have to be worried about. Another scary situation. I just touched wood like 10 times. But Ryan, we, we, we've got to move on from this. Because the more I think, if, if there's no Ron Leary to injury, we just talked about it. You have Dalton Reisner and Juwan James. And what just popped into my mind and why I touched wood was every other year Juwan James gets hurt. This is the year he's due to get hurt again. I, I, we got to stop thinking about this. It's, it's doomsday that's not that difficult of a situation to envision. It's got to be the weather. Terrible <laughs> weather in Denver today. The heavens have opened up. It's cold. It's doomsday here, too. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, and, and I just... The offensive line is like the scariest thing to ever talk about. Because most offensive lines are one injury away from being a mess. Especially this one. And I don't know. I guess I guess um, that's another high draft pick next year if the offensive <laughs> line falls apart. You know what makes you feel good about it? And maybe what will calm everyone? Mike Munchak. Let's just throw that name out there anytime we're worried about the offensive line. And he cures everything, right? Well, we have to- <laughs> I mean, he turned three undrafted guys into all pro pro players. Yep. So he definitely does something well. Mm-hmm. And that's coaching offensive line. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Maybe they can help him out. Maybe this offense will help out the offensive line a little bit. Maybe Joe Flacco being a veteran back there and, and not looking like he had no idea what it looks like to be a franchise quarterback will help this offensive line. But maybe, maybe we do. I mean, not maybe. We have to start living in a world where the Broncos are starting a young guy at one of those guard spots opposite Dalton Reisner. Exactly. A young, inexperienced guy that is either undrafted or a fifth-round pick. Yeah, we, we better start believing that. Oh, exciting times, <laughs> exciting times. Uh, before we move on here, Zach, to hopefully some positive questions. I want to tell you our friends over at Weinster. If you're like me trying to figure out how to become a mature, refined adult, by the way, I'm, I'm going to do that after the playoffs. 
or you just really like wine, you got to check out my friends over at Winester. Winester is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club con- connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Winester special is the majority of the wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers. Meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not just one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Winester, all you got to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple wines as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping costs. And I, of course, personally love Winester a little bit more because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. Sign up today with the code BSN25 and get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's Winester, W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester. Maybe if the abs win win tonight, I'll pop open a little burgundy. Mmm, that'd be perfect. A nice, just relaxing, moving on to the Western Conference final glass of burgundy red wine. What do you pop open when the Nugs pull it off? I mean, they've got some goldish, yellowy tones. You can pop open a nice little little white. And then there you go. Then you're set for the Western Conference Finals. You go red when the Avs play, white when the Nugs play. I like it. (laughs) Mike Malone would would endorse that message. Mm, He would. (laughs) Love Mike Malone. Should we talk to the people? Let's talk to the people. Tom Mercury says, fun random question for you guys. In any sport, who would you want to be the smartest guy in your organization? The owner, GM, head coach, or the team's best player, or someone else? It's a really good question. It is. I want to go with GM. Mm. They are the master hand. They control almost everything. And if you have a genius as your GM, then I think you have the greatest chance of success. And also, that genius GM is going to make sure that you probably have some smart players as well. I'm going to go head coach. And uh, I'm going to point to one guy for this, and that's Bill Belichick. If if the head coach is the smartest guy in your organization, then obviously he controls everything on the field. He controls everything at practice. But then he'll make his way up, and he'll get that power that a general manager has. Uh, and he'll really just be the guy that you need with an organization. Um, I, I thought about going the best player on your team, but then, Ryan, I thought about Peyton Manning. He was he was the, obviously the best player on the Colts. He was the smartest player within that organization. But you know what? He could only do so much when he was given uh, not much around him because of an inept general manager. And uh, he's still great. He still won a Super Bowl with the Colts, but you just don't get as much success. I like your answer better than mine. <laughs> I didn't think about the head coach being the GM because I've been in Denver for too long. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, that Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense if your quarterback is, but your quarterback also has to be really talented too. Because mm-hmm. being smart as a quarterback only gets you so far. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Exactly. <laughs> he says, who would you want to be the luckiest? Probably the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, probably. Touches the he touches the ball on every play, so you yeah. want him to be lucky. <laughs> Man, maybe your general manager just getting lucky on draft picks. There shouldn't be too much luck involved <laughs> in drafting players. You know, 
That's did you watch the Buffalo Bills? They put out a video earlier this week about inside their war room. It was it was about eight minutes long and it was really cool. You got to see the conversations that were had right before they picked their guys in the first, second, third round. And to me, it it was interesting. It, it was an awesome inside look. These guys knew what they were doing, but Ryan, with the conversations between the general manager and and his right hand men, you could kind of get a sense that you know they don't. They're kind of like you and I. They don't know the in and outs of all of these players, and and, and of course they did uh, with their first round pick. But you know, third, fourth, fifth round guys. It's kind of just like, yeah, he's he's next on our board. We're we're gonna go with him. It they weren't going back and forth and saying no, we need this guy because he plays this technique. And I was just surprised. And uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't be surprised. And that's why you have you know a huge room of scouts that do all that that information. But in reality, I don't think you and I are too far off when we do mock drafts and when we look at this stuff. The GMs. Some of them probably watch, no joke, 18 hours of film a day from Feb, from the fall until draft day. Other ones probably just are great at collecting information. Zach, I'm 100% convinced that if you made this my job just to pick players, I could hit on at least four out of my seven draft picks every year. I think you and I... Together, you can be the GM, I'll be assistant, or I'll be a GM, <laughs> your assistant. I think we could have just as much success as uh, as an NFL organization. Because remember, no organization is consistently hitting on, on all 100% of their draft picks. No, four even, of seven, if you hit on over 50% of your draft picks every year, you will be a contender. You're good. You're good. That's all you need to do. I And this, this video, and it wasn't that I was down on the bills... I just took a step back and thought, wow, this is just what happens across every organization. It shouldn't be hard over the course of 365 days to watch 300 players and have notes on them. And you probably should be able to watch every player twice. What if you're paying a lot of people to watch those 300 guys and break them down? Then as a GM... You're watching the first round guys, the second round guys. Of course, you try to watch everyone, but in terms of in-depth watching, you're not doing that. That's just silly to me. It is. I, I would I would want my scouts to weed out the players we don't want, and I'll take their word for that. You know, just saying, hey, this guy, he's not going to be a fit, or he has too many red flags, whatever. But when a scout comes to me and says, hey – uh, 71 Kansas State Dalton Reisner this guy can play well then I would watch him and I would have a list of a lot of players that I need to watch formulate my opinions and I would probably write one notebook on all of them and then get a blank notebook and go watch them all backwards to make sure I didn't you know wasn't in a certain mood when I watched a certain guy or whatever and write the same things and compare my two notes and I really think by the end of that process I could tell you a lot about every player. Uh, you know, I have my scouts who are adding to my notebook with what they're hearing from, you know, the janitor at the college. And by the end of this, I'm pretty sure I could know, I could talk for 10 minutes at least on every player that we could potentially draft. You'd think so. You'd think so. And trades, it's just what you would think. I mean, it was a very humanizing video because these guys, 
you know, you, you just expect that they know everything and they're calculating all these numbers in their head with trades and with players. They have all the information. It's like, no, uh, that doesn't sound good enough. Let's not do that. Wild. That's <laughs> wild. And then Maybe uh, we give them too much credit. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what we do. And Tom Mercury finally says, if you could only pick one, who would you take? The, would you take the smartest guy or the luckiest guy? Smartest. You can't yeah. count on luck. Yeah, I totally agree. Luck will get you a playoff run. Smart will get you a better chance at a dynasty. From Swedish Bronco, he says, rookie minicamp is this weekend. Does that mean we'll get some Saturday thoughts? Yes, it does. Mm. Don't get used to it just because we did it two weeks <laughs> in a row. Ryan, this will be, uh, be our third weekend of working. Third straight. Third straight. Jeez, we need a vacation. Uh, he says, then a question. Oh, we're going to pass on that. Only because it's it, it's internet rumor. Yeah, true gossip. Like, you know, there was the Chris Harris Jr. signing thing, and that turned out to be a rumor, according to Chris. I'll take his word on that. I I just don't, don't want to go down the road of talking about what someone said on the internet. Exactly. I agree. All right. From Enbot. Oh, got to scroll up a little higher for this <laughs> novel. He says, breaking the mold, I'll start with a Broncos question instead of food talk. If you could be a fly on the wall in any of the Broncos group slash room meetings, which room would it be? I know what Zach will likely say. He'd want to be a fly on the wall listening to Skang talking concepts with Locke, Flacco, and Ripon, <laughs> seeing if Locke and Flacco are giving each other the side eye. But I personally would love to sit in on some of Munchak's meetings with the OL. Seems to be such a mystique to him. I want to know how he makes grown men reach new levels. Uh, I definitely would not choose offensive line, and I would absolutely choose quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, quarterbacks. I mean, quarterbacks, you, you probably take that in any team is what you're looking at. But this year, with the new and upcoming offensive coordinator who's got all these brilliant ideas that's going to transform – uh, you know, the Mike Shanahan offense that everyone's used to in Denver to this new innovative Kyle Shanahan, maybe even Kyle Shanahan 2.0 offense. But then come on. I mean, the real reason you want to be in there is to see Joe Flacco and Drew Locke and see that dynamic. And also, what's it look like on Monday when those two are in the room for the very first time? How is it different beginning of training camp? How is it different week three? How much more of a voice does Drew Locke get? Are the two going back and forth? Hey, oh, the dynamic in that room would be something else. He goes on. He says, secondly, more of a quality of life comment uh, I've been wanting to share. He says, I can, well, he said a QOL comment. He said, I can hear Ryan explaining it to Zach now. That means quality of life. Literally, I would have said a quoll. Quoll comment. <laughs> but for the longest time, I was listening to your pod via my mobile browser. Being an Android user, I don't have iTunes and don't want to mess with third-party bloatware or a paid podcast app. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was far from ideal. I finally found a solution uh, by downloading Google's newish app called Google Podcast. I couldn't be happier now, and I'm sharing this in hopes that you tell your webmaster to update your pages for others' benefit as well. I can't be the only previously frustrated Android. I'm not sure what he means by that. I don't know either. Every podcast has the link to iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Spotify. Um, we can probably get the, the Google one in there as well. But I think you were one of the very few. Actually, I know based on the numbers, you were one of the very few listening in the web browser. With that being said, 
if you are like nbot and you want to uh and you don't want to download an extra app to listen to the podcast just use your bsn denver app you can play podcasts right out of the bsn denver app and you can close your phone you can you know go read the rest of whatever's on bsn and still have the pause button down there we've really tried to work to make the app more user friendly for listening to podcasts and we're only trying to get better and better on that so uh, that's an option as well. And I know what you mean about it. It could be annoying listening to it on a browser if you close anything. The app is much better. Absolutely. Uh, he goes on at the end here and says, if you're ever having a keto-friendly cold snack... Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. He's saying to just add the Google Podcasts <laughs> link. We can do that. We can definitely do Keto-friendly that. cold snack. Is that just no sugar? No carbs? No carbs. Yeah, you've pretty much... You're pretty much limited to uh, Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light, and a couple other ones. I had a Labatt Blue the other night. Mm. It was five carbs, which is a little too much, but uh, I got away with it. Your inner hockey with a Labatt. Yes, exactly. It was after the the uh, Avs Force Game Seven. <laughs> um, I will say, White Claw, baby. <laughs> two carbs. Five percent, just like any of the light beers. Yep, and just so refreshing. Yep. Uh, I, this this weekend, uh, I think it was White Claw. We had uh, some expired ones. Just found them in the, in the back of uh, a friend's fridge. Had them back in the day, Ryan. They used to be six percent. Wow. Yeah. Were, were the carbs higher? I don't know. I didn't see. Oh, is no, that they... is that is that what uh, gives it the carbs? Is the alcohol? Shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know. Hard alcohol has no carbs in it. Yeah. Which is why I haven't, you know, drinking so much. <laughs> I shouldn't say drinking so much. So uh, I have to drink less over the course of the night. Exactly. You can drink like 10 Coors Lights. Yeah. be fine. You can't do that with tequila sodas. Zero carbs on with Coors? No, there's like two. Okay. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. Maybe three. Yeah. Uh, from Drop Switch. Hey, dudes, what a lovely day. It has been sunny and warm in Seattle. I definitely want into the fantasy league if there's still an opening. Totes agree with the no more blood talk. <laughs> I believe Chris Harris Jr. will eventually sign with the Broncos. What are the chances the Broncos could trade for an offensive player before the season starts? Would the Steelers have any backups Munchak wants to poach? Uh, which one of you is the better high-fiver? Rock on. <laughs> that's a great question. I have no idea. Neither do I. I mean, that's probably the hardest question that anyone has ever given us. So good job, Drop Switch. Seriously. Um... Chances Broncos trade for an offensive line player before the season. Not likely. I mean, for a starter, very unlikely. Who are you going to trade? I mean, they got Evan Mathis late. They got um, Alan Barber Mm -hmm. late. So it's possible to get a player. It's probably not going to be as good of a player as Evan Mathis was. Right. And you just picked him up off the street. Yep. Um, Alan Barber was the type of player you can get with a trade this time of year would you rather have an alan barber or roll with a sam jones elijah wilkinson give me the young guy that's what i'm doing too not 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 this plug it's not even really a plug and play guy it's you realize once training camp starts i believe the alan barber trade happened what the second day of training camp you realize training camp uh uh-oh we have a massive hole just give me anyone yeah (laughs) Uh, let's take a quick break 
And when we come back, we'll get to the rest of your questions. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com. Final segment here on a BSN Broncos podcast that is moving along at a very solid pace here today, Zach. <laughs> and this one comes in from Micah Pexa as we're rolling along here with the comments. Really appreciated Zach's comment about learning on the fly with sports journalism and podcasting. That just served to reinforce something I've come to understand better the older I've gotten. We don't need to be 100% experts on something to be able to do it professionally. It takes courage, but it's okay to jump and grow your wings on the way. On the way down, learn as you go especially when you're passionate about something like Zach was with sports. Very inspiring, Zach. Thank you. One question, though. You said the Browns interviewed you before giving you your first job in the industry to make sure you knew their stuff, knew your stuff. Coming from a law background, where did you learn your stuff, and what kind of stuff did you have to know to pass that interview and at least get your foot in the door? It was just being an an absolute football junkie. Um, Just everything about – it was about the ins and outs, the X's and O's. I had played football – growing up so that that had helped me but uh, really the biggest thing was just watching what hundreds of hours of football throughout my life and one of the things they did um there was kind of two parts the first part was um just just making sure that I knew that and then they gave me half of their manual on what the job would be and I had to see if I could use the manual that they gave me and translate that into the job. So it was kind of a few practice um, days on the job to see if I picked it up well enough for them since it was a remote job uh, and uh, worked out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the GM at that time? Oh, my gosh. It was... Uh, was it Sashi Brown? I sh- it, no, it was right before that. I should know this. It was a former player. Um, his name just always slips my mind, and I always look him up, and it always slips my mind. Um, it was, uh, I'll think of it later, this podcast and shout it out there. All right. Sounds um, good. But, uh, but, but Micah, uh, I, I wanted to say this yesterday. I truly believe, thank you for that, that comment, by the way, and, uh, Nihalo for, for asking it yesterday too. But I truly believe that anyone can, as silly as it sounds, do their dream job. And this is what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, you just have to be willing to give up and sacrifice tons of things, whether it's working multiple jobs like I've done, whether it's, you know, I lived at my parents' house for multiple years after college pursuing this. Uh, if you're willing to make sacrifices, then you can do it. I mean, I didn't have any background in this, and I said, it's what I want to do, and I'm going to do anything to sacrifice it. Lived at home, uh, multiple jobs, side jobs, anything I could do. And you know, the, the grind still goes. And I think that's the case for, for so many people. Um, and, uh, so I really believe if you're 18 and want to get into this, 
then just be willing to, to sacrifice a lot. Uh, one of our good friends, Zach Bai, uh, who's uh, fantastic on the radio, I, I believe he worked in construction for 10 years while he did radio gigs on the side and, uh, you know, finally got it, I think, 30 years old. And that's what you got to do. You just put your head down, willing to sacrifice anything, and I believe anyone can do this. If you want something bad enough, you'll find a way to get it. Yeah. That's what, that's how I believe in. And to Micah's point about not needing to be experts on something to do it professionally, Brandon Spano and I certainly weren't experts on running a business. <laughs> right. I mean, we didn't know anything about running a business, to be quite frankly honest about yep. it. Yeah. Uh, and we started a sports network because we knew sports mm-hmm. um, and figured everything else out on the way. And guess what? We figure something else out. Every single day, and and you believe you believed in yourself, uh, and you fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We knew that we wanted to create the best. All we knew was we wanted to create the best sports coverage in Colorado. We just figured, if we want it bad enough, we'll figure out a way to do it. We and figured it out. And what twenty nineteen? So four years in. Yep, four <laughs> long years. I mean, <laughs> there isn't uh, a day where we don't have to learn some new lesson. Oh yeah, and it make and it it makes a for a challenge, but it makes it an awesome challenge. Yeah, and when you solve the next puzzle, uh, it it makes it even that more that much more rewarding. And and we're every single day we're trying to figure out another way to uh, make the business run more smoothly, to make more money. So everyone that you know has sacrificed, like Zach or myself or Brandon or you know anyone else who works at can get paid more like there's always another uh challenge around every corner but to your point you don't have to be expert to do it you just have to love it and really want it and we're so pumped that all of you guys are on board with us as a, as a bsn company and and riding with us on the podcast as we figure this thing out uh and you know just continue to deliver what we believe is is the best denver sports coverage out there and it's not possible without you guys. Like we went in with this blind faith of if you build it, they will come, but that didn't have to happen. And it's because of con- like every single day, all, all the comments that we get from you guys talking about, you know, how, how we make your work day better or whatever, like that validates everything we've done and all the sacrifices we've made. So thank you guys. Moving on here from vertical socks. He says, Ryan, after listening to you talk about going back to the Senior Bowl podcast to hear your contemporaneous comments about the players drafted, I decided to do so. Dang, I can't believe I forgot to do that. It's been so busy lately. Um, On the episode for the first day of practice, you're asked at the 42-minute mark about whether Drew Locke will fall out of the first round, and if so, should Denver move up in the second round to get him? It's so funny because... I texted you guys about this when I heard this exact point on the podcast, and I was like, well, I guess I was wrong about this one. (laughs) You said, here's what I'll say. If a quarterback starts to fall in the first round in terms of their buzz and ends up in the second round in terms of where they're going, you don't want him. Because there's something that's gone wrong with a quarterback during the draft process. The good ones – sorry, because something's gone wrong. Quarterbacks during the draft process, the good ones only go up, up, up. It's very rare you see a guy – go down because of you know drew lock was being talked about the number one uh overall prospect last year at this time for this year if for some reason he's to end up in the second round or not be a good sign and not a guy you'd probably want to take he goes on and on and on and on about how wrong i was um 
<laughs> That'll happen in this industry. Yeah, you, you talk f- for uh, two hours a day about the Broncos, you're probably going to say something wrong. <laughs> Next year, I'll stand by that opinion again. I will say you, if a quarterback falls, something probably went wrong. Here's what I think went wrong is teams decided they were out on this year's quarterback class except for a few teams that loved a few specific guys. Those teams were the Arizona Cardinals, who absolutely loved Kyler Murray. They were the New York Giants, who absolutely loved Daniel Jones, and the Washington Redskins, who absolutely loved Drew Locke. I don't think anyone else in those areas was in love with any of those guys, including Drew Locke, of course. Also, the buzz around next year's quarterback class really changed things for a lot of teams. There's the, A lot of teams are thinking we can wait. We can wait one more year with the guy that we have and address this need or, or perceived need next year if it doesn't work out this year with the guy we have. And in the end, Drew Locke was the one guy who teams weren't in love with. So... The Broncos were in love with Drew Locke, but they didn't have a first-round grade on him. They didn't have a first-round grade on any quarterback. They were as low on the class as everyone else is, but they still loved Drew Locke. He was their number one guy, but they made a promise to themselves, we're not going to reach on Drew Locke in the first round. What resulted was the Broncos seeing him there fall far enough to where they felt comfortable taking him, where he was one of the top guys on their board or the top guy on their board at 42. They jumped up and took him. Um, I don't think Drew – correct me if you can come up with anything, Zach. I don't think Drew Locke did anything to make his stock fall. And that's what I was talking about on that podcast is someone's done something to make their stock fall. Either they didn't impress at the Senior Bowl. They messed it up. They didn't impress at the Combine. They messed it up. They did something wrong in their interviews, which turned people off. They had an off-the-field incident. Essentially, when I was making that comment, what I was saying is something has gone wrong. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anything ever went wrong for Drew Locke. No, just the the chips didn't fall in place, which is very rare for a quarterback to have. And Ryan, we, we diagnosed this after the draft. All the Broncos needed was the Raiders to pass on them. And because Dwayne Haskins was the Redskins quarterback um, and uh, I guess the Giants and the Raiders had to pass on him. And once they both passed on him at six, he was free fallen because I didn't I didn't really believe the Dolphins were players. A little surprised they went out and got Josh Rosen just because they are clearly waiting until next year. Now it makes it a little iffy with Josh, but outside of those two teams, and then once once the Raiders kept passing on him, what, four times because they had traded back in, in the second round in order to avoid picking him, that he was free-falling. And my thing with Drew Locke is, Ryan, I would have been okay if they picked him at 10. And some people may call me crazy, uh, stupid, whatever. But I think he was a first-round quarterback. He was a first-round quarterback in my book. So he fell to the second round. And that's why I'm okay with it. I do not like second-round quarterbacks. I don't. I thought the idea of the Broncos getting a true second-round quarterback was awful. It's not really a plan. But Drew Locke, somehow, I mean, destiny came to help John Elway here because there was a tremendous amount of luck here. 
In my book, they did not land a, a second-round quarterback. And here's what I'll uh, <laughs> say to cap this off. When I was speaking there, I was speaking in general terms, right? If quarterback X falls, you don't want him. In the end, I have to fall back on my personal evaluation of Drew Locke, which I was high on Drew Locke. And, and that's one of the reasons why in here I said there's no way Drew Locke's falling to the second round. Because I believe Drew Locke was a top 10 player. Top 10, uh, deserved to be a top 10 pick in this draft. And like, I'm with you. If the Broncos took him at 10, I would have said, wow, that's the opposite of everything they've said all offseason. But I still like Drew Locke. I'll still fall back on my evaluation of the player. So my evaluation of Drew Locke is that he was a first-round prospect. The Broncos were lucky to get him in the second. And again, I don't think he fell for any specific reason, which usually is the case when a quarterback or any player who's expected to be a first-round pick falls out of the first round. I think it just came down to – it really came down to the Raiders deciding not to take a quarterback this year. Yep. And maybe that means they're going to try and get one next year. If I were them and that was my plan, I would have used my ammunition in the first round this year to get more picks for next year's first round. So I can move up if I need to, but whatever they're doing, them deciding not to take a quarterback threw off the whole cycle and allowed Drew Locke to fall. If the Raiders picked Drew Locke at four, I would have said, "Uh oh, that could be bad for the Broncos." I wouldn't. I know a lot of people probably would have bashed the Raiders for it. I certainly wouldn't have been. So thank you, Vertical Socks, for pointing out the one thing that I was wrong about. <laughs> the only thing is that what you're saying? The 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 thing I was wrong about in those podcasts <laughs> the most. <laughs> Not all the times where I talked about how great Drew Locke was and how he'd be a great fit for the Broncos and Dalton Reisner and how he'd be a great fit for the Broncos and how Brett Rippon would even be a great fit for the Broncos. Wow, Ryan doesn't like being called out. No, I just... <laughs> I think there's got to be a little give and take. <laughs> you should say, like, by the way, great call when you said X, Y, or Z. Um, and by the way, shout out to the commenter. I, I think I actually said it in the group chat, but shout out to the commenter who asked that. Because they, mm-hmm. got, they got it right perfectly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Next one coming in from Bearded Bronco. And boy, we think we've had some novels before. Buckle in for this one. He said, but it's a cool one. He said, what's up, dudes? I've been listening this off since this offseason started and was hooked from the start. Ryan, your tweet about Philip Lindsay t-shirt sale triggered me to go buy a shirt, which subsequently helped me stop being a freeloader, and I subscribed and got another free shirt and now have the Von Miller goat shirt as well. Man, you're the, you're the, fat, the most fashionable guy in town. I'm going to apologize in advance for this long post, but I've had a lot of thoughts over the last couple months. I am a Denver, Colorado native, born in 75, and grew up watching John Elway change this franchise. I moved to San Diego when I was 15 and had to hear the Chargers fans call the Broncos the donkeys. So for me, it has nothing but a negative connotation. Real quick, I'm, I'm starting to realize people from Colorado use it as a term of endearment. People that live outside of Colorado only hear opposing fans say it. And so to them, it's it's an insult. Exactly. So it, it depends on which side you're on. He says, after high school, I joined the Navy and got stationed at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and ended up living there for eight years. So I feel for the people who live overseas and have a hard time catching the games. Back then, the internet wasn't what it is today. In 2003, I moved to Detroit, Michigan. I love the Broncos, and I love Denver, and that's enough about me. On to the Broncos. I'm super excited and optimistic about the offseason changes to the coaching staff. I hope that this brings stability and longevity. How cool would it be if Fangio is awarded Coach of the Year and Mike Munchak is awarded Assistant Coach of the Year? I really think those two are the foundation of this coaching staff. 
As for Flacco, I'm optimistic that the coaching staff will maximize his talents and arm, and barring any injuries, I think he will have an above-average season, which is all we really need given the young, talented weapons that we've added over the last couple years. If Vic Fangio can shore up the tackling issues on the defense, we should have one of the top defenses in the league, and with an above-average offense, that makes for a good formula. With less penalties and more tackles, this team will be a force. A couple other thoughts, and then I'll get out of here. <laughs> really quick, it's it, it was cool hearing your backstory, and and thank you so much for, for joining along. All right, let's get to uh, six more points that he has here, Ryan. One, I love the two-hour podcasts. Well, you're certainly helping that happen today. <laughs> exactly. Two, in my mind, when I was making fun of something dumb that somebody did, I say to myself, they did a seven-minute soak. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, someone tweeted at me yesterday. Did you see the picture I posted of the two Portland fans like holding each other yesterday? at the end of Game 5? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> someone commented and said, these two definitely do a seven-minute soak. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much right. <laughs> I had to explain um, that tweet while I was laughing to my girlfriend. And then I had to explain grape nuts to her. She didn't know what those were either. And she was like, so it's like a fruit type of thing? And I was like, no. There's no not, it has nothing to do with grapes and it has nothing to do with nuts. Very deceiving. <laughs> And then seven minute wow, seven minute soaks. He says, Zach, your laugh is awesome and awesome and how passionate you were and are about Locke is spot on. Four, Ryan, when you said Father Time is undefeated and Father Time is going to kiss Tom Brady on the mouth, I laughed so hard my wife had to come to the other room to see if I was okay. I still <laughs> laugh every time I think of it. I want to clear up something about bulletproof coffee. I think that needs to be a BSN shirt. Uh, Father uh, Time uh, is going to kiss Tom Brady on the mouth. Yep. Do you make it before or after? I don't know. It's one of those things that I love the idea, but it probably wouldn't sell as well as I wanted to. I think it's got to be an open mouth kiss, too. Like a very uncomfortable, mm. awkward one. You know our guy Brandon Perna would be wearing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then five he wants to clear up something about bulletproof coffee i have to preface by saying i'm a black coffee drinker and that and think it's weird when people put stuff in their coffee a few years ago my wife said i want you to try something and whenever she says that i think to myself oh no i'm going to hate this i tasted what she had and it was actually really good that i asked her what what it was and she said it's bulletproof coffee and told me what it was in it i was amazed so you don't just put coconut oil and butter into a cup of coffee and stir it up and drink it. You take bulletproof specific coffee beans, grind them, brew the coffee, pour 12 to 16 ounces into a blender, add a tablespoon of bulletproof fractionated coconut oil and a tablespoon of grass-fed organic butter and blend it. Pour it into your favorite Denver Bronco mug and enjoy an amazing cup of whoop-ass coffee. Believe it or not, by doing that early in the morning, it fires up your metabolism and you feel like you're on fire all day. Wow. Good thing he told us there's a process to that. Orion, my first experience with Bulletproof Coffee may just be coconut oil and butter in a, in a normal cup of gel. I get to see Zach like drinking a cup of coffee. There's just like a little square of butter just floating on top of it. He's sipping away. Eat, start eating the butter. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I just have one question, and, and this is the make or break moment for me. Mm. Two questions. One, can you do it with espresso? Because I'm mm. not I'm not drinking no drip coffee. Sorry. <laughs> um, do you ever drink drip? Nope. I mean, I guess it, like when we're at Broncos yeah. and they have that yeah. crappy drip coffee, or <laughs> sometimes when I go to the BSN office, mm-hmm. there's some coffee there that also sucks. <laughs> um, I'll drink that in desperation. In desperation, but I have a, a, a espresso slash drip machine, and I've used the drip part like once. So. <laughs> Can you do it with espresso? Two, and this is a big make yeah, or break moment. I know right what here. it is. After you blend it up, which just sounds so weird to me, <laughs> can you pour it on ice? Why not? I'm a little afraid that the Ooh. fats are going to what's the word? Coagulate. Yeah. Good <laughs> job. I'm afraid that the fats are going to coagulate. <sighs> Would it be a non-starter if it has to be hot? It's over. It's done. <laughs> I, i'm not drinking hot. i don't I, and again i'll do it in des- desperate moments there's no chance i'm starting my morning with a hot coffee and i think i've only seen it hot doesn't mean it can't be done cold but i think traditionally it is hot i'm assuming what will have to be done and it's probably already been done somewhere in like portland or something um probably is you have to like have a special blend pre-made kind of like in a mm. thing that you just pour over right ice. yep i think so that's not going to work for me. <laughs> but I appreciate all the insights. <laughs> he says, you guys are amazing. Keep up the good work. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate you, Bearded Bronco. Thanks for uh, joining us and welcome aboard. I picture Bearded Bronco and, and it, I realize he's not like the, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say, but I just, I imagine him just being such a hipster. He's Bearded mm. Bronco drinking Bulletproof <laughs> coffee. <laughs> He drinks it black typically, Ryan. He's got a flannel, <laughs> a nice, nice beard, good beard, and you know, um, listening to like, um, what's dang it? I forgot the name of that band. Gregory Allen Isaacoff. That's not hipster. <laughs> it must have, wait, now, now I'm thinking about myself. I've got a beard. And I listen to Gregory Allen Isaacoff. You drink black coffee. I, I do drink coffee. What is it with hipsters and coffee? Because that also, I fall into that group as well. That is a huge, wow. Did you just realize something about yourself? <laughs> but I don't wear flannels. <laughs> and so I don't just, ride um, like the bikes without the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have nothing against hipsters. And you don't like Portland right now? No. At least It looks right like now. Portland outside. It does. I'm sure Portland's dope, honestly. I've never been there. But not now. You can't say that now. Don't say that out loud. San Jose is not that dope. (laughs) I can confirm that. What is that band I was thinking of? Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) That sounds like a hipster band name. Oh, yeah. For sure. All right. uh, Next one here is from Broncos fan since 84. Love you, bearded Bronco. Do you think Locke can supplant Flacco before the first game of the season like Russell Wilson did against Matt Flynn? Yeah, this is the kind of talk I want to talk about. Uh, I believe if he can if he works on his footwork before mandatory minicamp starts. Yes, he will need to put in tons of time. And as I've heard from multiple people, he is one of those players that puts in the work. I'm hoping he can as I don't think putting himself into the fire will be detrimental to his overall learning. To the contrary, I actually think it might help him in the long run if he plays early. If, like I said, he works on his footwork a lot during the time he has off. Yes, he is the type of guy to put in the work. I, I completely agree with that. 
Ryan, I think that Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks coaching staff was completely open with Russell Wilson um, overtaking Matt Flynn. Obviously, that was the case. I don't think that's going to be the case in Denver. I don't think the Broncos would let that happen. And I don't know if we said this on air or after. They may make uh, Drew Locke the third-string quarterback to open OTAs. They may, may make him the fourth-string quarterback to open OTAs to for you and I to say, no, 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 come on, guys. You need to cool your horses down. It's not going to slow us down. We know he's not going to be the fourth-string quarterback. We know he's not going to be the third-string quarterback. But they may do that to just send that message out there that Joe's in his prime. And so what does that mean for after the first day of OTAs? I just think, I don't think the Broncos will let that happen come week one. There's one way. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with Drew Locke. Drew Locke has to do all the things you said. He has to be amazing. Joe Flacco also has to suck. (laughs) That's the only way. In what? In preseason? In training camp? Both. Just everything. He's got to look bad. We he gotta has, be. We gotta be writing scoreboards or, or quarterback watch boards that Joe Flacco's awful. Right, and we're saying like, man, another eight out of ten day for Drew Locke and another four out of ten day for Joe Flacco. I mean, we're and we're just saying like, holy cow, the defense is just eating Joe Flacco alive. He can't do anything back there. He can't complete passes. It's not gonna happen. But that's the way it would. Let's say. Drew Locke goes 9 for 10. I mean, on the scoreboard, he gets 9 out of 10 every single day, and Flacco's at a 6.5 or 7. That's not going to be enough. Because no, no, no. And, and, and I think that, it has to be weighted as well based on the teams, the side that they're going against. And I think Joe is going to be, you know, at least a 6, especially in training camp. A veteran going up against this new defense and learning new things. He's going to be good enough. And Ryan, saying all of this, I don't like it. You know, if you think Drew Locke is the best quarterback, then allow him to take it, take that job and run with it. I don't like the idea of being closed-minded. Saying that, I think Joe Flacco is going to be the better quarterback in training camp, just like Trevor Simeon was the better quarterback over Paxton Lynch. It's, it's you know, Joe's the veteran guy. He's going to pick this up a lot quicker. He's going to be a lot more comfortable. So I, I don't think it, the Broncos are going to have to make that tough decision. I don't either, and I don't. You're, it just comes down to that. Joe Flacco is going to look great in training camp. Um, I was just thinking, what if we didn't? Did you take AP classes when you were in high school? Yep, bet you did. <laughs> um, I did not, but maybe that's how we grade it. Mm, if you're going like against that. the first team, you're taking an AP class. That's that's perfect. That's what we're going to use. Like <laughs> Golf guy chimes in and says. To preface my question... You know, he's coming to the BSN Open. Yep. I'm excited for this season and the future, but for the purpose of discussion and to challenge you two rock stars, if Denver repeats its win total of six this year, what do you think will be the cause slash weakness that leads to this? Joe Flacco. Yep. Quarterback play. And you hope they don't land on six because if if they are four and... Uh, maybe maybe that's fine. They're four and ten, and Drew Locke comes in and wins them two out of three. Yep, or just goes two and zero. Or two and zero, yeah, two and zero. That would be boy. That would the six and ten season would feel much better. Oh, uh, but the first fourteen weeks. Oh man, if they're four and ten, shame on everyone for not pulling the plug earlier. Seriously. What's the, I mean, I've said it, the three-game losing streak. 0-3 could be enough. 
Yeah. It should be. What are you waiting for if you're not making the change at 0-3? Somehow just thinking that you can go on a four-game win streak and be above 500? Mm. Please not another one of those, please. (laughs) Our job is so much more fun when they win. Trend in the right direction by at least two games, so at least be 8-8, or bring Drew Locke in and, yeah, go... Go three and eight, but then Drew Locke comes in and goes five and zero. It's kind of weird that the overall fun of our job is entirely dependent on something we can't control. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like where else would it be like that? It's like I don't know. If you work at like Nordstrom, is like the fun dependent on whether the company has a big month? (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be you. It's just like yeah, your coworkers. Yeah. And in the end, we have fun. We right. find a way. Yeah. But I mean, they're coming off a six and ten season right now, Ryan. Yeah, we have plenty of fun. <laughs> but in the end, it's so much more enjoyable when the players are in a good mood. It is. It's just, I mean, think of it. I've used this analogy before, but if like you could choose whether or not the people that you have to go work with every day are in a good mood or a bad mood, you would always choose good mood. Mm-hmm. Yep. Unfortunately, we, <laughs> we don't get to choose that. From Minnesota, Paul, he says, hey, guys, thanks for the best draft analysis in the business. You guys rock. We thank you for rolling along with us. He said, my family has decided to raise ducks this summer. I convinced them that we should name all of our ducks after Broncos players. So far, we have Von Biller, Eric Ducker, Wes Wadler, Ed McQuackery, Jake Tailfeathers. Wow. Jake Butt? Yep, Jake, Jake uh, Butt. Nice. <laughs> and Steve Inwater. Mm. That's fantastic. Yep, those are great. We are currently debating between Drew Flock or Joe <laughs> Quacko. <laughs> I feel like we can only have one or the other. I'm curious to see if the BSN community has any other name suggestions. We have a Bronco Duck in the BSN community, so I'm hoping we can get some help naming our Bronco Ducks. Thanks in advance. Wow, Minnesota Paul. This is, you guys are bringing your A-game on the comments today. This is right up your alley. I want to raise ducks. <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, well, first of all, Joe Quacko is a much better pun yeah. than Drew Flock. Yeah, Well, Although Drew good. Flock is pretty good, too. It is. Uh, how about Bill Up Lindsay? Wow. Wow. Um, let's see what else we yeah, can Yeah, I'll just let there. you keep rolling. Oh, God, this is harder than I thought. That's it? You can only come up with one? Minnesota Paul just threw out six. Yeah, he's had all summer to work on. I don't need your excuses, Ryan. I'll come up with more. (laughs) I need you to talk for a second, though. You Um, know, we'll just read the next question. Oh, um, well, you could just name one uh, Royce Freeman and one Justin Hollins because those are both Bronco Ducks. Oh, you're right. Yep, there you go. Any more Oregon guys? TJ Ward? Mm. Was an Oregon guy. Yep, we could do that. So maybe there's puns there. They're not coming to my head right away. TJ Waddle? That's a little <laughs> bit forced. <laughs> what are the other things that ducks do? Float? They waddle, Ryan. They swim, kind of? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll come up with some more for you later. True Champ Fan 24 chiming in and says, Guys, Probably a very unpopular opinion. I don't think Trevor should catch as much flack as he does. 
Now, I get he wasn't the greatest quarterback to ever play, but he was a seventh-round pick that beat out our former first-rounders. I know it was Sanchez and Lynch, and he played at Northwestern. He has more than made up the draft capitals the Broncos used on him. Fight me all you want on this. TS-13 may not be Tom Brady, but he wasn't a terrible draft pick, and I think he deserves a little more credit than he has given from the public. The only negative thing I would say about him, though, he was one of the student athletes that helped end the NCAA football and basketball video games, the greatest sports games ever created. Also, it sounds like you guys are both you are both 27. If so, heck yes, Team 27. I don't think, I mean, I think I do my part on this podcast to pump Trevor up as much as possible. Also, we've always maintained that it was a good draft pick with a bad outcome. A fantastic draft pick. Here's the thing. Trevor should have never started a game. And if that was the case, he would have ended up being a fantastic draft pick because he would have been a 10-year backup in Denver. And, you know, he would have come in once in a while when someone was hurt. He would have put together a decent performance and whatever. When you drafted him in seventh round, that's also like the way that you should have been looking at it. But unfortunately, due to some really bad management, he ended up being forced to start, and he was not good enough to be a full-time starter, so it ends up looking bad. But no one can say it's a bad draft pick. Trevor was a fantastic draft pick, even though he's off the team now. Just in what he did with the Broncos, got him to 9-7, and seven, beat out a first-round pick. Now, a lot of that is Paxton, of course. Just that season, he paid off his draft status. And if you can get a backup for a seventh-round pick at quarterback, that's also fantastic on its own. The Broncos, for some reason, just decided to go with Paxton Lynch instead, and so they traded Trevor, and what do you know? What, three months later, they're cutting Paxton anyways? Uh, that was them just that was just being egotistical uh, of trading Trevor. He should still be—I mean, he, he'd be a good backup behind really any quarterback. He is the prototypical backup. Were they afraid of— Trevor Simeon beating Case Keenum is then that why would you sign Case Keenum that's what I mean like what was uh I think they there was like some weird resentment towards Trevor Simeon yep he I don't d- get does that. John think he ruined Paxton Lynch like does John think that Trevor is the reason Paxton didn't work out I don't know I I I really don't know but it did feel like there was some resentment like we just got to get this guy out of the building yep which makes no <laughs> yeah. sense. Uh, but you know, play, he wasn't, you know, the Peyton Manning leader. Nope. Every guy on the team liked him. They all they all liked Trevor. He wasn't bad at all in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, he he whipped Paxton's rear end a couple <laughs> times in training camp, but that's about the only person who might be able to have something against. <laughs> right, exactly. So weird. So weird. Any more ducks? Uh, I got distracted. <laughs> Maybe I'll come with some ducks. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Give you 24 hours to think of some ducks. I'm sure you have a few. I'll come up with some duck puns. (laughs) Before we let you guys go, I want to tell you about Live Well Enlightened Health. It's your go-to dispensary for all the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of Live Well's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weigh half ounces and $60 pre-weigh ounces every single day. Live Well has six locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash BSN for all the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell. Spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L dot com slash BSN. Thanks for tuning in with us as always. 
and we will catch up with you soon on the BSN Broncos podcast. It's getting me down.